We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land Se Kimchi is being recorded on and pay our respects to the Kamaraigal people and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge the traditional owners from all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands you're listening from. Hey, I'm Shona Yang. And I'm Harry Jun, and this is Say Kimchi. Say Kimchi is an eight-episode podcast that gives you a snapshot of Korean culture through a Korean-Australian lens. The name Say Kimchi comes from what Koreans say right before you take a photo. In English-speaking countries, you say cheese, but in Korea, you say kimchi. Say kimchi. Welcome to another episode of Say Kimchi, Shona. Today, we're going to talk about food, specifically Korean food. Yes, one of my favorite topics, and boy, do we love Korean food. Korean food is typically thought of as K-barbecue, soju, some Korean beer, chapche, fried chicken, bulgogi. But there's so much more to Korean food and we can't wait to explore it with you. We're going to talk to our guest, Ila Kim, director of the Seoul Group, and we're going to talk about how they go about building a menu, sharing culture through food, and even talk about the Korean taste palette and the unique parts of it and why it is the way it is. But be warned, this episode will make you a little bit hungry. I am still already hungry. (laughs) Stay tuned. Hey, Ila, thanks so much for joining us on Say Kimchi. Hi, how are you? Thanks. <laughs> we are so excited to chat with you today. Tell us the story about how you started Soul Group and cooking Korean food in Australia. I guess it started like many other chef stories. My husband, Daryl, was offered a job here with the possibility of getting the permanent residency. So we came to Sydney from Korea back in 2014, I think. And then um, 2018, we had our PR and we felt like starting our own business. And yeah, that's actually it. Yeah. Wow. Um, so nine years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nine years ago, we come to, came to Australia and um, 2018, we started Soul Dining as mm. our first restaurant. Such and a yummy spot. Uh, thank you. Harry and I have dined there yeah, before. Very, times. very yeah, thank delicious. You so much. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been five years. We never actually said to ourselves, let's do a Korean restaurant. Oh. It was more like Daryl should do whatever he would like to do. Mm. Um, it was the first time that you could do that because it was our business instead of somebody else's. Yes. And uh, Daryl always wanted to cook food with the techniques he learned, which is mainly Western, um, French, Italian, Spanish. But he wanted to recreate those dishes that he liked best from his childhood. Mm. So the concept wasn't, let's do something Korean with a Western touch. The concept was, let Daryl do whatever he wants to. <laughs> yeah. And uh, all those foods that he had his memory, what he liked, were Korean because he grew up in Korea. Mm. Um, his father was a bus driver for interstate travel, I would say. So he went to many, many places in Korea. So he knew the different cuisines and uh, my father-in-law, he's very adventurous with food as well. So he tasted all those interesting things that he never saw on the plates when he would work. So that was something that he wanted to do. We also were a full Korean team, also not intended, more like Mm, because we didn't have the background. Um, It was all self-funded. We basically took our mortgage money and Mm. opened the restaurant. (laughs) All the employees or or team members that we could get, they were from our community, from people that we knew that 
Daryl has worked with before and um, and they all happen to be Korean and they were the only ones interested in doing something like that. So when the guests first came in, they understand people want to understand what kind of restaurant it is. So they would ask, what kind of food do you do? You try to explain and they see... Um, the food is Korean influence. The team is Korean, so this is a Korean restaurant. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so when you first opened in Surrey Hills, what was the reception like from the community? It was very, very difficult. I guess because we had this idea of doing something and getting noticed as well, uh, we wanted to be somewhere where you're in the middle of the action of the whole restaurant scene. Yes, that was one of the reasons why we chose Surrey Hills. But because we didn't have that background in having worked in a famous restaurant, we didn't get many offers. We actually didn't get to see a lot of the venues that were available back then. Mm. So we had to go for those venues that had a bit of an issue. And <laughs> so that the landlord also would be desperate to show, kind of. <laughs> and um, back then, the light rail was still going on. Yes, so, the construction of exactly. the... Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That was really, really a hard time for any businesses along Devonshire. So we took the risk. Um, I feel now we could do it because we didn't know anything about hospitality business. But the reception was difficult because there aren't any kind of contemporary Asian restaurants back then on that street. There are some nice Japanese offerings, but Korean in general in Surrey Hills was difficult as well. Mm. Not many places doing it. We felt like many people would understand Korean food as fried chicken and barbecue, mm. but that's how far the understanding would go. We thought it doesn't matter because we are not doing Korean in that sense, but um, you get a lot of questions when you open a restaurant in terms of category. Yes. Right? So you have to define yourself. If you want to be on a booking site, if you want to be featured in, in an article or they all ask you, so what cuisine are you, mm. right? And uh, the closest we could put down was Korean. But then guests would come in and uh, ask certain questions where we didn't really have an answer to because those questions were like, why don't you have soup? Why don't you <laughs> have rice? Where's the chapter? Yeah, yeah, Why don't yeah. you have rice? Why? I want to eat with chopsticks. Yes. Um, where's my panchan? Yes. Um, all those things that people are used to get in Korean restaurants. Yeah. So we had to do a lot of convincing, actually, not even educating because... <laughs> yeah, well, they um, sound very well educated <laughs> with the Korean. If they're saying yeah. hanchan, they... Yeah, 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 yeah. Or side dishes. They so, yeah. Where's the kimchi? Ah, yeah, kim yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the good thing was kimchi was um, popular enough. Yes. So people were really interested in trying, but we didn't have even one dish with kimchi on it. Yeah, wow. So, <laughs> this in um, quotes Korean restaurant. Exactly. No kimchi. No kimchi. You can't order a bowl of rice. Yeah. Um, they came in with expecting a bowl of soup, rice, and kimchi on the side. Well, they're so used. They're expecting the Korean, so Korean food. And I'm interested to know what you think the Korean taste palette is. Like, what do you think the idea of Korean food, the flavors, mm. the experience would be? if you were to describe it to someone else? Let's say it that way. I think it's really difficult to tell anybody about any cuisine what taste it is. Mm. Because it's the same with Thai. Um, if you look at Thai cuisine, it's so diverse. There are, of course, the curries, there are um, the fish sauces and the sometimes and stuff like that. But there's so much more to Thai cuisine than just curries. 
or Indian food as well, right? If you look at French cuisine, you wouldn't say it's butter. Right? <laughs> so, uh, or Italian, you wouldn't say it's pasta and that's it, or pizza. So uh, with Korean, it's the same. Um, fried chicken and barbecue is a big part of our culture and, and, and about the flavor profile that we do have in Korea. But it's just not everything, right? Yeah. So when we talk about Korean flavors and how do we represent Korea in a better way, because after a while, after everybody was talking to us about being Korean, we told ourselves, you know what, there's so much to explore in Korean cuisine, let's embrace it. And it is part of what we are. So why don't we try to make the best out of it? So when we go into menu creation, the most important thing is depth. Mm-hmm. So, kipi. Uh, in Korea, you talk a lot about sommat, and uh, which means the taste that comes from your hand. Mm. You talk a lot about umsige uh, kipi, that's a depth or complexity, you would probably say in English, mm. which means Korean food is normally very layered. It's not about being spicy or sweet or sweet and salty at the same time. That's, that's mm. something very new, that's very in tanjan, right? But if you look at tanjan, if you look at barbecue, if you look at anything, it's always layered. So if we do barbecue, we don't do steak, side, and sauce. We have the steak, and then we put the rice on it, and we have um, like we have yeah. ten, ten different kinds of um, sam. We have three different kinds of sauces. We have the meat that we eat at first, and we have the meat that we eat in the middle, and then the mm. meat that we meet at the end. Mm. Um, you finish with rice, but then you still have to have naengmyeon. So <laughs> you, um, and even with naengmyeon, it's the same, right? You have this soup that is the broth that's made out of, you don't know how many ingredients. Every naengmyeon house in Korea has their own recipe, and wow. that's, that's um, their secret, right? And um, on top of that broth, and we just started with the broth right now, yeah, yeah. comes uh, the noodles that they again, have a different recipe from house to house, how they make it. And then what comes on top. And then you put, you have the vinegar and um, the mustard. mustard. So it's about layering flavors, mm. creating depth. I've never considered Korean food to be that level of depth, but now you put it like that. It's mm. so true. It's not just one taste profile. It's not just spicy or yeah. sweet. It's actually a lot of depth and a lot of soul that comes with it. I love that. Yeah, when you mm. when you talk about it in terms of layers, and even when you apply it to the mainstream understanding of Korean food, Korean barbecue, I'm thinking about the layer of you've got a, a lettuce, mm-hmm. and then you've got the meat that you put in, which could be marinated or not, samjang, maybe the shredded spring onion. Like there's so many Some additional. Yeah. yeah, and it's mm. how it all combines together in one bite, yeah. but every separate part as you exactly. chew, it comes out. And I think one of the most interesting thing about Koreans and Korean food is that everybody has their own way to do things. Mm. Yes. So everybody plays around with the layers. We take the example of sam again, right? You have 10 different kinds of greens, and you have your own preference of lettuce already. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. just starting with yeah. lettuce. It's yeah, like, <laughs> you're just <at> lettuce. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, it's a very long way until we get to the meat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's this um, journey. Yeah. And the first yeah. stop, lettuce. Which one? Uh, branching paths. Yeah. And speaking of palate and choices, growing up with my family, we didn't eat any lamb. 
Mm. And mum would always say because of the smell of lamb. She said it was a very Korean thing not to have this smell. Like it's a very meaty, gamey kind of smell and it was quite avoided. And I I tried to think of Korean meals and the meats that generally appear. Mm -hmm. Obviously you get a lot of pork, Mm -hmm. a lot of beef, a lot of fish. Mm. But I tried to think of any lamb. It didn't. Nothing came to mind, but would you say there's a certain preference for like specific meats to fit a Korean palate or do you think it's maybe just not as explored? I guess with lamb in the first place, in Korea, it's a historical thing as well, right? Mm. You don't have that much lamb meat there. Ah, The land is very small, the country is very small, so um, it's not like Australia where you have vast lands where you can let them, how do you say it? Grays, yeah. yeah. Mm. So I guess the lamb that comes to Korea mostly came through China. and But it is true that Koreans are very sensitive about smells. Yes. Right? It can be a good smell, it can be a bad smell. And often it's, of course, also about smells that you're accustomed to, kind of. But when Koreans marinate or do something with the meat, there are two things. First thing is either the quality of meat. So if the quality of meat is so high, like a hanu, mm. then you wouldn't touch it at all. Oh, you let it you, you speak just, for itself. You just let it speak for itself. Ah, you're right. Um, because we're not saying that lamb is not a high quality meat. No. But, <laughs> um, so with hanu, um, compared to other, other beef in Korea, how you eat it, the higher the quality, you don't do anything with it, right? And of course, hanu um, is in Korea is yes, the highest sort of exactly. quality beef. Uh, a lot of marbling yes. and fat. And, um, and if you do like a jumulok, you do a hanu jumulok or you do hanu bulgogi, it's a different part of the meat that benefits from mm. that preparation. But with other meats, especially those ones that tend to have a stronger smell to it, you try to get rid of that smell in Korea. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating to yeah. me. They, yeah, a lot of processes to get rid of. Yes. In Korea, you say you catch the smell. And how would you say that? 냄새를 잡는다. Which means you balance it out. It's again a layering thing. Yes. So you try to get the best balance out of that meat. There is also the way, I guess, with having a restaurant and thinking a lot about taste, of enjoying the natural smell that some meat has, or, or it's the same with with vegetable as well. Let's say it's a little bit like with coriander. Mm. Uh, mm. Some people love coriander. it, some people hate it. Right? Yes. It's a whole other topic. It's about the smell. Yeah. It's yeah. about yeah. the smell. Yeah. Yeah. Some yeah. people enjoy the smell. They they enjoy the natural fragrance of coriander. Some people don't like strong flavored. And Korean cuisine in general is not much into that whole strong mm. flavor taste. But then it's about preparation again, right? So if you can control and balance that smell to make it more pleasant. So there are definitely lamb dishes in Korea that are very, very popular. Mm. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, definitely. They tend to have a bit more of a Chinese touch to it with that that cumin and um, caraway kind of, again, things that controls the smell. I think what's really fascinating for me is and I'm sure for a lot of listeners, is typically Korean food in Australia is very one-dimensional. You've got your barbecue, you've got your chicken, you've got your chapte or bulgogi.
There's just so much depth that you're talking about here, whether it's the smell of the food, the layering of the food, the preparation, the history, the story. And I think that's what's really beautiful about what your group is doing in the Korean food scene. Do you think this concept of fine dining is relatively new for Korean cuisine or has it always been around? It has always been around. We don't understand ourselves as fine dining because I believe fine dining has a lot to do with service. Mm. It's not, of course, the culinary skills come into it too. And uh, chefs would have a different opinion on this than me. I'm an operator. As an operator, it's a lot about service and how the food is presented. It's not about the depth or diversity of the mm-hmm. food, necessarily. If you look at Seoul and the places that got Pip Gomong or Michelin, um, you can see that there's a tofu place in the middle of, of Seoul. They only do tofu. They don't even do sundubu as a red soup, right? It's only oh, white really? there. Wow. Because original sundubu is white. Yeah, and I heard kimchi as well, yes. like before the introduction yes. of chili. chili. Right? Yeah, it was all white. Oh, exactly. wow, and they make so white. So is the same, <gasps> yeah. And it's so clear, but the depth of that mm, tofu yum. that you have in that getting, getting hungry. I'm so hungry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> getting hungry. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but coming back to the fine dining or, or let's say upscale, let's say upscale dining. <laughs> yeah. It's a concept that's been around um, in Korea for quite some time. Hanjongshik is the highest form of Korean food in the end, mm. and it is a course meal, it's a degustation. Gungjungumshik, the palace food, would be the highest form of Korean fine mm. dining. You do get that service. And then there is the relatively new wave of modern Korean, mm-hmm. that's how you call it in Korea, that has seen a lot of interest and success all over the mm-hmm. world. Like I think New York is one of those cities where you can see a lot of it. Singapore, Hong Kong. Wow. And um, we did find when we first opened our restaurant that in Sydney, it wasn't as much there as you would expect because Sydney has such a sophisticated dining scene. Mm-hmm. You have restaurants that are world class, yeah. right? And I was doing this pitch one day and um, you look at New York and you have five Korean restaurants with a Michelin star. And wow. back then in Sydney, there wasn't even one Korean restaurant with an hat. Wow. Right? That's insane. So, Five in one city. Wow. Yes, yes. I mean, New York is a bit of a mecca of modern Korean. But um, that's where Momofuku comes from. That's Jongsikdang um, and, and all those oh, famous wow. Korean fine dining restaurants, or modern Korean restaurants. And um, Sydney is a comparable global city. With yes sophisticated food scene and you don't even have one. You don't even have one that could contend for a hat back then. Mm. I think we did have um, Moon Park back then. I think that was the only one but sadly it disappeared before we opened. But you look at the scene you think like, oh, it it is really underrepresented. Yeah. (laughs) Illa's being very humble but her group has had incredible success in the Sydney food scene um, with critics raving about just the way Seoul Group, I guess, expresses Korean food and Korean Mm. dining. I personally love dining there. So good. Um, We're seeing a lot of new openings, as you mentioned, in Sydney as well, especially in the Korean scene. How do you understand that? Do you see that as Mm. just an expansion of popularity in Korean culture? Or do you see that as 
a refinement of our tastes maybe? Or, or how do you explain just this growing interest in it and new Korean restaurant openings? I think probably there are different things that influence this, this trend. Korean culture being so popular helps definitely a lot. Um, the interest in Korean food is much higher than what we saw at the beginning. Mm. Um, and it is very closely related to any kind of K-dramas and K-pop groups. Yeah. Like, which was the first one? Pyeongsangude was the first one, I think. Uh, when that came on Netflix, a lot of people watched it and they wanted to eat exactly the thing <laughs> that Chun Sung-hee did in that episode. They were curious. That's she was so doing funny. a she yeah. was doing a somek or something, or somebody else in a, in a Korean <laughs> drama was uh, making somek, and um, they really wanted to try it as soul dining. So, and we do it. We were like, okay, why not, right? Mm. So, um, and we went to the table and we did all the mixing that we do. And it's fun. It's, I think, um, Korea is one of those countries where you have so many rituals around certain foods and uh, um, you have mm. your food and drinks pairing already because Anju is basically yeah. drinks and food pairing. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have drinks without any kind of food, right? Uh, That's um, deep in our culture. So it definitely helps when Squid Game happened. Uh, All the things that happened in Squid Game. Parasite. People wanted to know. Yeah. With Parasite. The, um, Parasite. Uh, the Japaguri. Yeah. Japaguri. Yeah. All of, yeah. 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 Um, so it helps and it's great. Mm. You know, anybody like somebody from BTS liking a certain dish and everybody in ARMY wants to eat that dish, right? <laughs> So that's a definitely positive development. People just being interested more in the Korean culture. And the best way to experience a culture when you're not in the country is uh, uh, food. Yes, absolutely. Um, That's how you get to know the culture for the first time normally. Right? Yeah. And it's such a... I don't want to say I don't want to say it's an intimate way into a culture, but it's a sensory way. Yes, it's a way to take it in through your senses and the idea that someone like you need food to live. You know, you eat food to survive, yes. but someone's spent hours to make something for you. It, it is such a beautiful experience to. Learn about culture through food. Mm, now, yeah. um, of course, like we both like to congratulate you on the success of oh, uh, all, um, all your restaurants. And, and how would you consider success? Like, how do you define success? That's a very, very difficult question because. Mm. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Uh, but good, good question. But, but I guess it's a bit more of a philosophical one. The answer is different from me personally, depending on which part of my life you're you're addressing. Like, if it's my personal life or family life or, or, you know, in that sense, success looks all different, right? In a business sense, you could easily say it's a reputation and, of course, money. But having said that, we, we don't, as a team, we don't do things for success. Um, I think having commercial success is something totally different to what we are trying to do. Of course, we do want commercial success because everybody needs to pay their bills. And then ideally, the commercial success would just come with what we do. But it's not the most important thing or highest priority in decision-making because when we develop a menu, we are not looking for the highest sell. 
it's more about liking the things you do. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't sound like really businesswoman-like, or, <laughs> uh, but I guess, let me say it this way, everybody likes success, right? But as I said, it's really difficult to define what success is for you, and, and you, you have so many people in your team or in your company, and for all of them, success looks different. So we try to concentrate on um, being proud of what we do and liking what we do and hoping to a certain degree that that kind of success would come with it mm. because that makes our days fuller mm. instead of chasing some kind of a success that we all haven't agreed on, which we can't because, as I said, everybody looks at it differently. Mm. And um, it's a journey. We don't, unfortunately, have many benchmarks with what we do. So we just try our best, try to have fun with it, and we are happy when it works out. Yeah. And hopefully the commercial success will come with it because who doesn't like money? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that sounds, that sounds yeah. so important. Just to go back to when you were speaking about the best way to learn about a culture is through mm. food. How does the Soul Group and how do your chefs go about designing a menu with that in mind? If we're thinking about how do we get people to experience not only Korean culture, but soul groups culture, like how do you go about designing menus? As I mentioned before, after people just understood us as a Korean restaurant, now we define ourselves as a Korean restaurant. We try to be respectful of the cuisine. So we take anything that we can think of that we feel like is Korean. And this can be a traditional Korean dish. It can be a Korean technique to prepare food. It can be an ingredient, but it can also be memory or experience that you had yourself as a Korean person. And um, as an example, we had the churros on the menu for a very long time. (laughs) Uh, And people might say, why is churros Korean? Which is not. Mm. It's not, obviously. But Daryl and I, we grew up in Korea in the 80s. And... Lotte World was something very new and very exciting. Mm. And this is the amusement park, <laughs> yes, the famous in the, Korean amusement park. In the middle park. of Seoul. Yes. And it was like, what? Amusement <laughs> park in the middle of Seoul next to a department store. And it was very expensive for a lot of kids to go. So mom and dad would have to. And taking time off for Korean parents were very difficult back then. So it was something very special, something that you could look forward to for many, many, many mm. months. And you hear it from your friends who've been there before. And all they talk about was the churros that they saw. Oh. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that churros becomes oh, a symbol of happiness. And, oh, I love that. Um, you know, so for us, it's a Korean memory. Mm. So uh, we took the churros. We did a bit more to emphasize the Korean sides of it. I think we had a Maxim coffee glaze or something. Oh, Which is also like yeah, Korean you know, yeah. instant coffee yeah. brands and mm-hmm. yeah. We went down the Korean coffee basically. When you develop that kind of a menu, you tell yourself, okay, what kind of food is this? What does the churros mean to you, right? What does it mean to other team members? The initial idea might have come from there and me, but then you go into the team with it. And we talked about how it's made and, and what ingredients goes <laughs> into it. It's not that expensive, right? It's nothing yeah. super fancy. But it's very special in our memories. So what else is there that has a similar character to it? And that's the instant coffee, mm, right? That's yeah. such a perfect example yeah. to show culture and explain it through food. Because and memories. Of, yeah, and memories, because it is such a vital 
cornerstone of like an 80s Korean memory. Yes. But without the story and you just presented a coffee churro to someone, <laughs> they might not understand. But then the beauty is they question it and then you explain it. Exactly. Mm. exactly. Like you just did to us. I think we do mix a lot of different cultures in one dish, Different right? influences. Yes. Our main influence is Korea, but we think there's beauty in mixing other things in it as well. Oh, that, that's a nice, nice example as well. We used to have a Joripong panna cotta. Oh, no way. <laughs> and, um, Could you explain yeah. to us what Joripong is? Um, yeah. Joripong, um, <laughs> that's a Korean pronunciation of it. I read on the package, they actually say Jolly Pong. Yeah, Jolly Pong, right? <laughs> Jolly Pong, yeah. Um, is a grain based sweet snack. It's like chips, but just grain-based and, and more to the honey side of it. And um, the funny thing about Juripung is when they marketed it, they marketed like a cereal. So they said... <laughs> oh, so sugary. <laughs> no, they, they said, put it in milk and have it for breakfast. And they used to really? have yeah. a little spoon, a cardboard rectangle <laughs> that had folds in it that when you folded it, it would become a spoon. Yeah, yeah. And you'd shovel these sweet rice puffs. Yes. From the bag yeah. into your mouth. And it's even funnier now. Now when you go to a grocery store in, in Korea, they actually package it like a one-portion breakfast cereal. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they it's really a, it's a thing. Yeah, they yeah. leaned wow. into the cereal side Yeah, of it. because it's in our memory. We, it's like me being old. <laughs> um, I still remember the times when, <laughs> when we didn't have that much variety for cereals. But uh. um, busy parents, cereals are perfect for the kids to have mm. for breakfast, right? So a lot of people my age and, and a bit younger even had that as, as breakfast cereal. So we look at the panna cotta and we thought like it's a milk-based dessert, yes. right? So milk, what can we do with milk? And we came up with the jolipong ideas, so made it taste like jolipong, had jolipong on top of it. We had the story about the cereal part as well. And we had a British customer once. And um, that customer had almost tears in her eyes because she was saying, we have the same in England. Really? No way. And that's a really cool moment. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, Yeah. that's a really cool moment. I think there is something from the major cereal companies that is very similar to Jolipong. Similar taste profile, maybe. Yes, yes, because it just makes sense. Jolipong is not like super sweet or something. It's more on the grainier and honey kind of a side. It's yeah. so, so special because there are still moments when you'd eat something, you're like, this tastes like something from my past. I can't yeah. pinpoint Just it, but it's like a soft... Nostalgia, yeah. memory awakened. I love that. And it's also the connection of two different cultures that you never yes. expected. And she right. obviously was so emotional because it yeah. without... She got ambushed by this emotion. Yeah, struck a struck a memory yeah, for her. I was not expecting, but as soon as she That's ate so it, nice. she yes. made the connection. The cereal mm-hmm. yeah. That connection to culture through the experience of, of food. food, right? Mm. Um, that's the way that your restaurant groups are doing this, mm-hmm. right? Ah, yes. Um, I think your question was also how do we express that cultural thing and the experiences that a Korean person had yes. in in our food? It's I think with any kind of menu development, the most important thing is the customer. Mm. So if you are making food for yourself, if you are doing that because you think it's really beautiful, it might be because you think it has the craziest flavor profile that never nobody has seen before, then you just do it at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do it for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because um, That's the, so moment, funny. the moment the customer 
disappears from your head. Mm. Yes. Um, you're not doing it for their experience, but they are the ones who are paying the money yeah. for that mm. experience, for yes. you to give them the experience. They are doing their part of yeah. being there and being open mm. to what we do. So what we have to bring is that experience that resonates with that person. There are certain ways we as a cultural group, I would say, want people to see about Korean culture. And I think it becomes even more interesting when you look at the Korean-Australian culture. There are things that we experience. There are things that me as a mom, makes me a little bit emotional, um, <laughs> want my son to experience while he grows up in Australia as a member of the Korean-Australian community. And um, we want that experience to be conveyed to that customer the way we want it. We want them to see certain aspects or beauties of Korean culture. And um, that's how I would say, or we try at least, to tell ourselves when we develop a menu, that we say the customer has to be in our heads. The customer is Australian, mm. mainly. Oh, that's yeah, Different kinds of Australians. very insightful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, customer first, audience first, those things are commonly mm. said and practiced, but... To obviously identify being a Korean Australian audience base, but Australian customers. Yes, mm. different kinds of Australians. D- like, exactly. Yeah, Korean Australians, yeah. Um, Thai Australians. It's very yeah. complex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really clear that there's a lot of depth and stories and experiences that are conveyed through the food that you have at the Soul Group. And it's, I love that you said it's an experience. It's not just you pay for a dish, you pay for one meal, or you're in and out just for one bite, although the bakoli bread is definitely worth <laughs> just being in and out for. Um, but I love that you guys are curating an experience for the Australian community. And part of that experience is showcasing what it means to be a Korean Australian mm. and what it means to have different types of Korean food. Just to wrap up our conversation, I'd love to ask you, what are your next steps and what's your vision for the Soul Group moving forward? We are growing, which is a great thing. It's great that the interest is there, that we have the space to grow. And um, we can't wait. We'll be, we'll be in the city and we can't wait to be able to show what we want to do to a lot more people than what we used to do in Surrey Hills. And... Um, Vision is such a difficult word, especially after five years of running a restaurant with two lockdowns. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. That makes vision really, really difficult because it changes all the time. But it's um, about us being able to show that part of our culture. The thing about Australia, again, is the amount of Korean chefs that are working in Australia is astonishing, right? Mm. And um, they all have so many stories to tell, right? I think everybody, when they're passionate about their jobs, they want to tell you about your story. Yeah. And um, the way chefs do it is through their food. So if we could be part of that big vision going forward, I think then we'll be very, very happy. Yeah. Um, And um, hopefully also more diverse and bigger Korean dining scene in Mm. in Australia in general. And there are so many interesting and exciting things happening. Like there's great restaurants all over Australia that are doing exactly what we try to do. So growing that 
seen all together, that would, that would be great as well. Mm. Oh, it's a beautiful, it's yeah, a beautiful I, I vision. It's very nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful um, movie, and I and wish you all the best with that. Yeah, thank hope you. We all contribute and support each other mm, in that yeah. goal. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Don't forget to follow Say Kimchi in the SBS Audio app or your preferred podcast app. And if you've got any questions for us, drop us an email at saykimchi at sbs.com.au. And if you want to check out all our notes and episodes, go to sbs.com.au forward slash saykimchi. And follow us on our social media at underscore harryjun underscore and at cozycom. That's K-O-Z-Z-I-E-C-O-M. That was Say Kimchi, everybody. Three, two, one. Say Say kimchi. Kimchi.